Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Come on, keep it right there. Thank you. Come on, let's give him some praise. Is he not worthy of our shout and our praise? Is he not worthy of our dance? There is no other name above his name. His name goes above cancer. It goes above depression. It goes above gang violence. It goes above suicide. His name is higher than every other name. So I don't know what you walked in with, but I know this. You don't have to walk out with it. You could walk out delivered. You could walk out set free. You could walk out set saved by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, worship team. And I want to challenge you tonight. I was nice last night. I didn't require some of you to praise, but tonight I believe we've already broken into another level. I saw some of you praise with your African dance. And if you could shout like that for the worship, you could shout like that for the preaching. And I think some of you just need to lose your mind for the presence. If I could just get it where it was, brother, for the presence of God. You need to lose your mind for the anointing. You need to lose your mind for a miracle. I just don't feel like praising. That's the best time to praise. That's the best time to shout. It's when we're tired. It's when we're weary. God is looking for a shout. God is looking for a praise. I'm not going to give God a half-hearted praise. Did he go halfway to the cross? Then I'm not going to praise him halfway. I'm going to shout like I've never shouted because I'm expecting God. Come on, help me as hard as you can get it. I'm expecting God to do something he's never done. I'm believing for signs and wonders and miracles in Hayward, California. When true revival comes, it shifts culture. It changes. There we go. It changes atmospheres. Gang violence changes. Drug houses shut down. Trap houses become prayer houses. Brothels become Bible studies. When the presence of God comes into a community, it shifts the culture. We're not having a three-day revival because we need more prophetic words. We're having a three-day revival because your pastor believes that there is a significant move of God that is going to change the climate and the society of Hayward. And we're standing here today saying, God, I need you to change me so that you could change Hayward. I need you to do something in me. Is anybody with me tonight? I'm not going to be comfortable tonight. Sometimes you just have to pinch yourself to make yourself uncomfortable. Maybe you're not used to shouting. Tonight, try shouting. Maybe you're not used to dancing. Tonight, try dancing. Maybe you're not used to lifting your hands. Tonight, I challenge you to lift your hands. Well, we don't do that in our church. Well, we're not at your church. We're in the house of God tonight, and we have freedom to shout. We have freedom to praise. We have freedom to dance. We have freedom to sing. There was a high price paid for us to be able to shout, and I'm not going to take it for granted. I gave the devil too many years to play church. You gave him 10 years of drugs, now you won't give him 10 minutes of praise. You give him 15 years of being in the drug house. You've only been in God's house for five. I'm not going to go harder for the enemy than I do for the king of kings. I'm not going to go harder in Egypt than I do the promised land. If I could stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning drinking, I could stay up till midnight praising. If I could stay up till the bar till 1 a.m. and 2 a.m., they didn't cut you off till 2 a.m., yet you cut God off at 10. 
Here's what amazes me. Some of you will wait longer at Applebee's to get your steak than you will for God to move at the altar. Some of you have an easier time tipping your waitress, and you don't even give God 5%. There are so many of us in this house tonight that are so focused on carnal things. I just don't feel comfortable. God does not want you to feel comfortable. If you're comfortable, you're not a Christian. Why? Because Jesus said, the road that I want you to walk in, it is narrow, it is difficult, it is uncomfortable, and I'm looking for people that would love making him comfortable instead of being comfortable. I'm looking for people that would love stepping out of the boat and say, I'm going to walk on what nobody else has walked on and walk in what nobody else has walked in. God did not put this church in Hayward to be another church that gathers on Sunday morning. I just want to give a quick hand to your pastor. Can we just give it up for your pastor? Man, I so love what God is doing. I'm telling you, there is such a move of God in this house. And I want to challenge you to be at every single service, to be at every single prayer gathering. This community is depending upon you to be on fire for God. Ten years ago, it was okay to play church, but we are living in the last days. I'm trying to stay on stage, but I don't think I'll be able to. We are living in an hour where God is looking for people that would worship not just in spirit, but in truth. That means I don't always feel like it, but I'm going to do it because I don't let my flesh tell me what to do. I tell my flesh what to do. I might be tired in my physical man, but my spirit man is just getting warmed up. I might not want to shout in the physical, but I'm going to shout in the spiritual. See, when you begin to lose love and fall out of love with yourself and fall in love with God and fall out of love with your company, zone and fall in love with being uncomfortable. We can see city transformation because you no longer go to church for you. You go to church for them. And I'm excited to be in a church where we have that passion. Is anyone here tonight from the Awakening 209? Anybody from the... See... Last night, y'all made me nervous, so I had to bring my own shouting group. So I texted about 30 and said, I need you there tonight. I need you to shout me down. I need you to pretend I preach it. Okay, so I brought my own. So if you don't want to shout, if you want to, come on. Some of you need to tell your face to smile. Some of you just need to get excited. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I know you're going through it. And God, if he's with you, nothing could be against you. Greater is he that lives in us than he that lives inside the world. You're going to make it through the camp. You're going to make it through the depression. You're going to make it through the divorce. You're going to make it through the heartbreak. It isn't over because you had a bad inning. I know your pastor loves baseball. I love baseball. I'm the coach of our softball team. I'm the worst one on the team, but praise God, I'm the pastor, so I'm the coach. And here, <laughs> here's one thing I know about baseball. It is not over until the end of the ninth inning. We went to see your favorite team, the San Francisco Giants, me and my wife. This was this last year, and we were sitting there, and it was the last inning. I said, honey, they're winning. The Giants won. It came over. The other team's about to get up and hit their and do their inning. There's no way they're going to come back in the last inning. Here's what I didn't understand. It only takes one inning to make a comeback. See, some of you have already had a bad year. See, you're, I'm going to come into a new year, and my trials, I'm going to leave them in 2016, and my anger are going to leave, and it's January 3rd, and you're going, wait a minute, what are you doing in 2017? See, because your trials never got the memo, just because the year has changed, it doesn't mean the enemy has changed. There is a real devil that is trying to steal from you, that's trying to kill you, that's trying to destroy you. That's why I love praising. I 
love doing what the enemy hates. He hates your shout. He hates your praise. He hates your dance. He hates when you're excited. It's like nails on the chalkboard. Why does the devil hate your praise? And why is it so hard to get the church to praise? Because it was the devil's only job in heaven, and it reminds him what he eternally lost. The devil's a worship leader in heaven. So when he gets down to earth, what does he do? He says, I want to make sure I keep the people of God from true worship. We talked about last night, true worship is not singing songs, it's sacrifice. And God says, I wonder if I could find somebody that would remind. Why do I remind the devil what he lost? Because he's always reminding me what he took from me. He's always reminding me of the past. He's always reminding, well, if you didn't do this, that person would still be alive. And if you didn't do this, so I like to praise a little because tonight I just want to show the devil that he lost in my life. That he's never going to have me again. That I'm not going back to the pill. Oh, help me preach tonight, men's home. I'm not going back to the needle. I'm not going back to the pipe. I'm not going back to the trap house. I've been set free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. He should have killed you when he had the chance. But now it's too late because I'm covered and I'm guarded by the Holy Ghost. Just because you struck out doesn't mean you should quit we're driving home from the game I was like let me just check the score I already know the Giants won praise God because we were at the game and we were in the last inning I, I look at the score and they said man this other team made a massive comeback and ended up beating the Giants and I was thinking in my head I should have waited around to the end I shouldn't have bailed so quickly see some of you are barely in the third inning of this year and you're going I want to give up I don't want to play anymore coach let's just end the game here and God says I only need one moment to turn every are you hearing me tonight I only need why the Bible says in the book of Acts let's get biblical that they were all together in one mind in one place in one accord does everybody have to praise here's why everybody has to praise because if we're not in unity we can't see the kingdom move it takes a church in unity to transform culture that's why I'm not just saying let's 90% of us praise let's not you know what's going to change is when it's not just 10% of the staff doing 99% of the work because every time we have a function Oh, sister so-and-so is going to come and set up. Oh, sister, she cleans this. How about what would happen if we stopped spectating and we stopped sitting around saying, I'm going to let somebody else clean the bathrooms. I'm going to let somebody else vacuum. I'm going to let somebody else. Oh, brother, would you pray for me? When's the last time you prayed for yourself? See, we need a church that would get together and say, let's all worship. Let's all praise. Let's all dance. Let's all sing tonight. Let's all come to the altar tonight. Let's all be on fire because when they're together and one one place and one accord. The Bible says, and suddenly a rushing mighty wind showed up. In other words, I'm not going to miss service because I might miss the suddenly. Why are you saying this? Because there's about one out of every 15 services I do, and I do a lot of services, where I really feel like the Holy Ghost says, Isaiah, there is going to be ridiculous, and this is how I hear the Holy Ghost. Okay? He doesn't use ridiculous. He does to me. There are going to be ridiculous miracles that happen tonight. I'm talking about miracles where it causes you to have unbelief. Have you ever seen a miracle where you didn't even believe the miracle you just saw, where it's so ridiculous? It's an Acts 19 unusual type of miracle. I preached that to you guys about six months ago, where you look at this thing and say, I 
I never would have thought tonight was the night my cancer got healed. I never thought tonight was the night my kids were going to get saved and they're not even at church. I never thought tonight would be the night my spine straightens. Are you hearing me? I never thought tonight was the night where I would take my last insulin shot. I never thought tonight was the night where I would have my high blood pressure regulated. I never thought tonight was the night that that tumor would disappear before my eyes. I'm believing for limbs to grow back in the house of God. I'm believing tonight for blind eyes to open. And I'm not talking about we're going to pray for you. I'm talking about praying for you and saying, how do you feel now? See, the kingdom of God does not work like dial-up internet. God is not sitting there loading. There's not a loading screen saying, well, maybe in 15 minutes. God says, I want to do it right now. Thank you. I got one. Thank you so much. That's perfect. Thank you. I want to do it right now. I want to do it in this house. There's one maybe out of 15 where I feel the power and the presence of God is here to heal. I'm not going to take a super long time because I want to focus on healing. If you're sick in your body, if you're sick in your mind, if you're sick in your spirit, tonight is your night. I'm not preaching some prosperity message. I'm preaching that God is here that his power is here and all he's looking for is desperate people do I just need to come up no you need to be desperate you need to be radical you need to get uncomfortable you need to step out of the norm and say I got to shift I got to change I got to do something different if I want what I've never had I got to do what I've never done if I'm not used to coming to the altar hello I'm going to come to the altar Pastor, I travel and people say, I just really want to get delivered. I'm like, really? Because you're nine rows back and you didn't respond to the altar call. How bad do you really want to get delivered? See, here's one thing I know about people that receive miracles. Every time I see a miracle happen, I always look at what were the ingredients that went into Because I see a lot of miracles don't happen. And I wonder what is the difference between someone that's in the same service and this guy right here will get healed of cancer. And this guy right here won't even get his migraine healed. And I've come to find the same common denominator in every single miracle I've ever witnessed. And that common denominator is the desperation level and the person that wants their miracle. See, the Bible says that there's, there's only one time I could find it in the Gospels. And it's in the book of Luke chapter 5. You've heard the story that the power of God was present to heal all those that were sick but there was a man that needed healing but the Bible says that he couldn't get in the room because of the crowd so many of you tonight the only thing going to stop you from getting your miracle is the people you came with the only thing going to stop you from getting your breakthrough is the crowd and I've made a decision because I get a lot of flack I get a lot of I don't know why you have to be so radical and I always shout like that and I always talk about hell and the narrow road can't you just be a little bit here's the deal I'm not trying to please the crowd I'm trying to please the cloud I want to follow the presence of God, not the popularity of the people. I don't care if you're comfortable. I want him to be comfortable. See, these men brought a friend with them like many of you did tonight, and here's what they decided. We're not just going to bring our friend and leave the same way he came, but there's no way to get into the presence of God because of the crowd, so here's what they decided. We'll find another way into the presence of God. Here's what I realized. There has to be another way to this whole Christianity thing than just coming to church once a week, praying a little prayer, and living the rest of the week for the devil. There has to be more than just coming and being satisfied with being on the outskirts of Christianity. See, it's okay. Oh, so-and-so could touch Jesus, but I don't need to know. Every single one of us needs to be like these four guys and say, if I brought someone to God, I'm going to see them get their miracle. 
I'm going to see them get their deliverance. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And there's only one way in. The Bible says they went through the ceiling. Why? Because every time we have a gathering like this, the enemy will put a ceiling on what God wants to do. And you're going to have to make a decision. The ceiling that the enemy put on you, you're going to either leave it there and be content with it, or you're going to break through it. And some of you, it's been a long time since you broke through your ceiling. It's been a long time since you stepped out of your comfort zone. It's been a long, help me preach tonight, Holy Ghost, are they hearing me? It's been a long time since you stepped out and said, I'm willing to get through what I'm going through. What was the ceiling made out of? Dirt. That's what, we, that's what stops us in the church is our dirt. Well, God doesn't want to heal me because I watched porn last night. That's why God wants to heal you. Well, God doesn't want to heal me because I'm still struggling. God, is not, God did not come and die on a cross so that you could spend the rest of your life living in a sin cycle. It's not freedom. It's prolonged bondage. We see in the book of Matthew chapter 9, the woman with the issue of blood. What does her and the lame man have in common? They were both desperate. She came to Jesus, and she said, here's the deal, honey. I don't mind if I have to offend you. I don't know if you know this, but if I went to your house and removed your roof, you probably would get offended. Here's the deal. I'm not here to try to please you. I'm here to encounter Jesus. There is only one purpose and one reason why we came tonight and that's to encounter the raw presence and power of God. The preaching is just an invite to enter into the presence. This is not the best part of the service. The best part of the service is when I get out of the way and Jesus shows up and begins to do what he wants to do. I need someone tonight that's willing to break through the ceiling, that's willing to break through the roof, that's willing to get whatever you're going through. I just had a bad day. You're going to let that stop you from the one that could change your entire life? Well, you know, my church, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you to delete everything you think you know about God and say, God, I'm starting fresh tonight. Tonight will be the first time, and I'm going to be. That girl was tired of being sick. She was tired of being lame. She was tired of being in a cycle. I don't know if you know. Let me just say this, parent. Or let me just say this just explicit. She was on her period for 12 years. She was stuck in something that was only intended to be a cycle. And so many of you are living in something that God never intended to be a lifestyle. You're living your life in the same cycle. One day Day you're involved. One day you're excited. The next day you're back at the club and back at the bar and back in the drugs. And we see this over and over. You graduate the men's home. Then a month later you're back in. You graduate the program and then you're back in. And she said, I've lived 12 years in this cycle and I'm done living in a cycle. I'm done being halfway in and being halfway out. So she pushed her way through everyone that was just content with being around Jesus. I can interview some of you and say, when's the last time you encountered Jesus? And you'd say, well, you know, I go to church. I'm cool just being around him. I'm cool just being in the crowd. I'm not interested in pushing my way through anybody. I'm not interested in really getting radical. I'm not interested. You mean you're not interested in God. I'm looking for people that say I'm willing to get through, not for anybody else, but because I get, I am tired of the life that I'm living. I'm tired of being Christian around my Christian friends and living like the devil around my worldly friends. I'm tired. That's why Elijah came in and said, how long will you halt between two opinions? Here's the literal Hebrew translation. How long are you going to hop back and forth from the world to the church. So every couple weeks, 
on fire. The next week, don't want to serve God. The next week, oh, God bless you, sister. I just pray and declare and decree and prophesy. And the next day, I'm out watching whatever I feel like watching, talking, however, laughing at the same dirty jokes, no different at work. Nobody even knows you're Christian outside of your Facebook post. You post one picture as a scripture, the next a beer pong tournament. And we're so back and forth in the American church. But God is saying, who will be so consistent that they say, I'm going to get to Jesus no matter the cost. See, in Luke chapter 17, the Bible says, I'm going quick here, that Jesus entered into a village and there were 10 lepers that cried from a distance. The greatest problem I see in the American church is we are distanced between us and God. People say, I feel like he doesn't hear me. I feel like he doesn't see me. I feel like he's not listening to me. And it might not be because he's not hearing you. It might not be because he's not listening to you. It might be because you've let your sin distance you between you and God. See, leprosy in the Bible represents sin. It is a flesh. Are you tracking? It is a flesh issue that shuts down the central nerve system that makes you numb to what should be hurting you. This type of preaching, it should pierce you. It should wound you. It should make you weep. And because of your leprosy, because of your flesh issue, because of your compromise, some of you are numb to this. Some of you are so numb to God that we come in here and one person next to you is crying, getting convicted, and you're sitting there unmoved by the power of the Holy Ghost, and there's people getting miracles, people getting healed, people, and you're just sitting there on you. If you could like an Instagram picture at the altar call, there's a massive problem. When we get so comfortable in the presence of God that we could be Facebooking and tweeting and doing all this stuff while people are at this altar weeping and crying and praying, some of you are so comfortable. I'm not talking to the lost. I'm not talking to the new people. I'm talking about the church staff. I'm talking about those that are used to the presence of God. God. Remember Uzzah and A touched the ark? It's because the ark had been in their house for 20 years and they got comfortable with the presence of God. Some of you have gotten so comfortable with the ark of God and he's no longer holy to you. He's no longer precious to you. You have lost your awe and your wonder and now you're distant. See the Bible says that neither depth nor height, neither angel nor demon, neither thing above or beneath can separate us from the love of God. Here's what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say sin can't separate you because there's only one thing creating distance and it is your sin. There's only one thing stopping your healing and it is our compromise and it is our sin. It is the sin in our lives that produces distance between us and God. How many can honestly say right now, the moment I got saved, I felt like Jesus was two feet in front of me and now I've been saved a year or two and I feel like he's farther than he used to be. The question I have to ask myself if I'm living that way tonight is did Jesus separate himself or did I separate myself? See, Jesus doesn't move, we move. And the more we sin, the farther we away. Why? How do I know? Because in the garden, what did the Bible say? It says that Adam and Jesus, Adam and God, or Adam and Jesus, because they're all one, they were walking side by side in the garden. And the moment sin came in, God went to take a quick bathroom break, and he's out there doing his thing, and all of a sudden, he didn't really go to the bathroom, but you hear what I'm saying. He took off for a minute, and all of a sudden, the snake came in. Some of you are like, that's not in the Bible, you false prophet. You're going to hell. Here's the deal. The Bible says that the snake came, and all of a sudden, what was intimate, what was next to me, what was, I was at the altar every Sunday. I was at the prayer gathering. Now all of a sudden, Adam's nowhere to be found. And God says, Adam, where are you? Adam didn't try to run from God. He tried to run from himself. Adam was running from the intimacy and the calling. Why? Because my sin removes the intimacy. It makes me ashamed. And that's why I don't understand this. People come to church, and they don't praise in church. And I know if you can't praise in church, then you can't praise at home. If the only time you're praying is at church, you don't have a relationship. If the only time you're reading is at church, you don't have a relationship. See, intimacy was never meant for a stage. 
intimacy was meant for a bedroom. That's why he said, when you pray, don't pray in public, but go into your prayer closet and pray in private. God is looking for people that would pray in secret instead of sin in secret. God is looking for people that would be so intimate with him that they would say, I'm not going to let this sin. I'm not going to let this compromise. I'm not going to let this complacency get in the way of me and Jesus. I'm tired of this leprosy. This is the number one thing I, I see as I travel. People say, Isaiah, I don't hear God. The problem is that you don't hear God. The problem is you're not listening to what God is saying. If you were in the very back of this room, I've told people this many times, and I was up here on the stage, and you were whispering to me, and this room was full of people shouting, how many know I wouldn't be able to hear the whisper? Here's the problem with God. Let me teach you something that will change your life. When God speaks to people, he oftentimes, the Bible says, speaks in a whisper. I get mad at God days. God, why aren't you speaking? Why don't you just yell at me? Why don't you just yell the way I yell at all your people? Why do you always have to whisper? Why do you always have to be quiet? God says, Isaiah, if I didn't whisper, then you'd be okay with the distance. You'd be okay with not being next to me. Why does the Bible says he didn't come in the lightning? He didn't come in the fire. He didn't come in the thunder. He came in a still small voice. Why? Because whispering speaks of intimacy. How many people know me and your pastor aren't going to be whispering in each other's ears? But when you're married, when you have a wife, when the intimate, it's closeness. It's a time where you whisper. And he says, I want such a close relationship with you that I don't want your sin to get in the way of my whisper. See, God's been speaking to you all year long. The problem is there's too many other voices. There's too many distractions. There's too much sin separating you, and he's too far away. So in turn, God speaks, but you can't hear what he's speaking because your sin is creating distance, and you don't obey the word of God, and in turn, he doesn't fulfill the plan he has for your life. There's another thing that happens. You pray, and God ignores your prayer. Do you know there's only one thing that you can have in your life where God will literally not listen to your prayer? The Bible says a man with iniquity in his heart will not get his prayers answered. What is iniquity? Iniquity is practice sin. Remember the Bible says as Christians, if we practice sin, then we are not sons of God. We are sons of the devil. John says it like this. How could you sin and say you're a son of God? What do you mean, John? We all fall. The Bible says a righteous man falls and gets up. John said, I'm not talking about falling. I'm talking about rehearsing. See, whenever you're going to have a play, whenever you're going to have any type of movie, listen, my mom's here tonight. Mom, would you wave? Let me just use it as an illustration. By the way, that's Robin from the Duke of Earl, and she'll be doing autographs in the back. Praise God. Really, it is. Here's the deal. I remember being little. We were talking about on the way here, and she would be in auditions. She was also in 16 Alive. There you go. Get your second autograph. And she was in 16. I remember sitting there, and she would have to go to the set in San Jose, Victor Outreach, and rehearse, and rehearse, and rehearse. See, there's a difference between sinning and rehearsing sin. When you rehearse something, you actually practice it. You actually get good at it. Here's what John was saying. He's saying, I'm not saying if you fall into sin. I'm saying some of you are good sinners. You actually go to sin practice at nighttime. You're actually rehearsing sin. And he says if you're living in a cycle, are you still with me? If you're living in this repetitious sin, he says you are rehearsing it. And you cannot say that God is your father because surely the devil is your father. I'm not going to live my life practicing what God hates. I'm not going to live my life one foot in and one foot out. See, because when I live with iniquity, here's what happens I pray and pray and pray and God never answers my prayer what happens I get mad at God therefore creating more distance saying this God why are you not hearing my prayer why are you not answering and here's what we do as preachers oh don't worry it doesn't matter God hears your prayer no he doesn't 
The Bible says he doesn't hear your prayer, and you're just a clinging symbol. You're just speaking, and it's hitting a ceiling. Why? That's why, let me prove it again. What does the book of Chronicles say? If my people, y'all know the verse, who are called by my name, remember, would humble themselves, and what happened? What do they have to do after that? And turn from their wicked ways. Then, what does he say I'll do? And then I'll hear from heaven. Why are you just starting to hear now that I've turned from my wicked ways? Because when you were living in wicked ways, you were praying, but I wasn't listening. He said, so if you would turn from that compromise. I'm trying to preach on healing tonight, but I just feel the Holy Ghost. If you would turn from that compromise, if you would turn from that sin, he said, then that block that you've had in your life, that leprosy that has separated you from my presence, I will remove that distance. How do I know if there's distance in my relationship with God? You'd know. See, back in the day, we used to have what's called a long-distance relationship. Well, you never saw the person you never really had intimacy with the person, but you still talk to them once in a while. Usually, here's how you, when you talk to them at nighttime when the day was over. And here's how your conversation went. Um, how was your day? Mine was good. How was yours? And it was awkward because you didn't know the person really. You were far away from them. You kind of had some chemistry. but uh, And so many of us have this exact type of relationship with God. We don't really spend time with him. We don't really know him. We kind of just give him a call before bed. I'm guilty as the next guy in this room. And we're oh, God, how was your day? Oh, mine was good. I was just busy saving the world. How was your day? Oh, mine was all right. You know, went to work, then spent five hours watching movies after, and then just did this, and then went to the bar, and then I came home. I just wanted you pray, um, and I just want to know, would you please just protect my family? Would you please make sure no burglars break it? Okay, have a nice day. And if we're real radical, we'll pray for our breakfast in the morning. And God says, what type of relationship is that? I know this. I've only been married four years, and I know one thing about my wife, and she's here tonight, so I need to be careful what I say. I know one thing about my wife. If I'm not spending direct time with my wife, it doesn't count. She'll say, honey, I miss you. I want to hang out with you. I'm thinking, I'll tell her, we've been together all week. Literally, come on, help me, brother. Somebody help me. I, am I the only one tonight? Come on, pastor, help me. She's like, no, we haven't. I'm like, honey, we've been together all week. She's like, no, we've been doing ministry all week. We've been at the church all week. Yeah, but you've been with me, but I haven't been with you. See, because you could be doing stuff together, but not doing stuff together. And she'll tell me, I just want to spend one-on-one. -on -one. See, this is how Jesus is. We will go by and justify the fact we've never spent any time with him and there's distance in our life and we're having a long-distance relationship. And we'll justify and say this, well, I've been in church, well, I've been coming, well, I've been involved in the ministry. I'm not asking if you've been involved in ministry. I'm asking if you've been involved in intimacy. I'm asking, do you know me personally? Or is there a sin issue that is separating us? See, every person knows intimacy gets lost in your marriage the, the moment you begin to watch watch pornography. There are so many married men that come to me and say, Isaiah, I'm dealing with pornography and the moment I'm dealing with this, it creates distance in my wife's and mine relationship. See, this is what sin does in your relationship with God. That's why the lepers are crying from a distance. See, back in those days, lepers were not allowed to touch anybody else. Sin will prevent you from touching the people that God wants you to touch. You will not witness at work when you're dealing with sexual sin. You will not share your faith at the barbershop if you're dealing with your own issues. And God says if you would get over your issues, you could touch and reach. Are you hearing me in the spirit? You could touch and you could reach the people I'm calling you to reach. But as long as you keep hiding your secret sin and hiding your flesh issue, I can't do anything for you.
Here's the first thing they decided to do. The Bible says, and they cried, Jesus, have mercy on us. Why? Because God could ignore religious prayers. God could ignore prayers with iniquity. There is one thing, and I'm telling you, you can write this down. You can tweet it. You can Facebook it. There is one thing that God cannot ignore biblically, and that's when his people cry out to him. There is only one way that we're going to do tonight to get the attention of God. There is one way if you're dealing with cancer, if you're dealing with depression. Come on, help me. If you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with fear, and it's when you cry out to God. How do you know? Because I have a six-month-old baby that likes to shout and cry, and I can only handle it for so long. And after five minutes, I'm going, would somebody please grab this girl and give her whatever she wants? I'm just tired of hearing her cry. See, God is looking for you to be like those lepers that say, we're going to cry out to God, and we're going to shout, and we're going to pray, and we're going to get his attention. People often ask me, how do you get prayers answered? Easy, you annoy God. You know that God doesn't answer prayers based on your relationship. He answers prayer based on how annoying you are. Bible says this, the widow, what did she do? She bugged the judge, and the judge said, I'm going to answer you, not because I like you. Are you with me here? Not because we have a relationship, but because you won't stop bugging me. And the Bible says, if a wicked king would answer her, how much more would your God in heaven? The other parable Jesus gives on prayer is the man that asked for bread at midnight. He says, he's knocking on the door, and the man says, who's Jesus? He says, I've already put my family to bed. Please stop knocking on my door. I'm not going to give you what you asked for. But the Bible says, because of his shameless persistence, the man opens the door and gives him what he's asking for. See, if you really want your family saved, if you really want this community saved, if you really want your body healed, if you really want breakthrough in your mind and breakthrough in your spirit, I wonder if there's anyone in this house that would bug the judge. I wonder if there's anyone in this house that would get so desperate, that would get so hungry and say, I'm here to annoy God. I'm here to beg God. I got no shame in my game. If begging is what's going to answer my prayer tonight, then you're not going to get me to leave until he answers. Here's what we do. We doorbell ditch God. I used to do this when I was young out in the country, and I thought it was, like, so cool. And the funny part was everyone that lived by my house, you guys, my mom was 90-plus years old all around. And so we, yeah, we're going to doorbell ditch the neighbor. She's 98 years old. I mean, you could doorbell ditch her, play an entire game, beat the game on your Game Boy, and she still would barely be getting to the door. And we'd sit there and doorbell ditch and think we were all funny and run off. And, and 30 minutes later, she'd open the door. Hello, is anyone there? Close the door. We'd go back and doorbell ditch and then run off. And this is how we have prayers. See, Jesus is if you knock, the door will be open. The problem is you're not waiting long enough for him to get to the door. So we go, Jesus, would you Heal me, Jesus. Would you heal me, Jesus? Five minutes go by. Okay, I've been praying for five minutes. Let's go to Applebee's. It closes at midnight, and we're done. We're done praying. We're done asking. And God comes to the door. Thirty-five, forty minutes, ten days. The upper room. He comes to the door. Ten days and goes. Is anybody there? Then God says, ask and you shall receive. God, would you do this? God, would you? And before he even gives us, we run off. And God says, seek and you shall find. People say, well, how long do I have to pray? I'm so tired. And every time I start praying, I get hungry. I'm like, yeah, maybe because you need to go on a diet. Praise God. And I just don't understand, right? The moment I begin. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, shut the door. He was not talking about a physical door. He's talking about a spiritual door. He said, there's a door where all your thoughts are flooding in. And when you pray, shut that door. He said, shut every thought out. People will say, how long should I pray. I don't know how long do you look for your car keys. You don't look for your car keys for five minutes. Well, I didn't find my car keys. Praise God. I'm going to the grocery store. You have to keep looking till you find them. It might take you 20 minutes tonight. It might take you 40 minutes tonight. But we're going to seek until we find. He doesn't say seek until you're bored. Seek until you're tired. He says seek me until you find me. But it starts with crying out to him. 
So these men are crying. Jesus walks right up to the men. Why? He's not afraid of your sin issue. See, religion's afraid of your sin issue. Jesus, how do you know? Because I was cursing at the altar saying, God, I don't effing believe in you. And God came and touched me when nobody else would touch me. See, the reason why they were afraid to touch lepers is because back in those days, if you touched a leper, see, you'd get what they have. Here's the problem. Jesus came and introduced an upside-down kingdom. In other words, when I touch what's not clean, what's not clean does not get on me. What's on me gets on them. So the contaminate doesn't contaminate the clean. The clean cleans the contaminated. So Jesus said, I'm not afraid of leprosy. Because your sin issue is not going to jump on me. I'm not afraid. I, I Listen, I'm on a side. He goes, oh, just don't cuss around Isaiah. Why? You think I'm afraid of somebody cussing? Oh, don't get near sinners. They might Their cooties might jump on you. And their, their, their issue might, and you, they might, if they're cussing, you might start cussing. Friend, you know what? I know what's inside of me is greater than what's inside of them. And I'm not afraid of reaching the lost. I'm not afraid of being around drug addicts. Some of you are so timid and shy. You're afraid of being around the people that you used to be hanging with. You're afraid of being around the people that need the gospel. What would happen if we started getting around the lost instead of the lukewarm and saying, I need to reach these people because they need what I have. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm going to go quick. Jesus tells these guys this. Go show yourself to the priest. Why would I go to the priest? The only time you go to the priest when you had a sickness is if your sickness went into remission. Here's the problem. We have an often theology in the church that Jesus wants to put our sin issue in remission. What is remission? Remission is when something goes away for a temporary amount of time only to come back usually even worse. And we have this theology in the church that says as long as you just stop doing it, as long as you get rid of your laptop, that's not freedom. Freedom is when God breaks the chain and you say, I've never done it since. I've never watched pornography since I was saved. I've never done drugs since that last time. I've never drank again. It's about breaking the cycle. Jesus knew, I'm not putting your leprosy in remission. I'm completely healing you tonight. That cancer isn't going to come back. That Let me preach to this side. Y'all aren't helping me tonight. That diabetes isn't coming back. That depression isn't coming back. Those suicidal thoughts aren't coming back. I'm going to set you free tonight at this revival and you're going to stay free. When you're laid it grows back. People are like, yeah, my leg grew back at the revival. And then a week later, I see them and they're like this. Your leg, I thought, grew, well, it did grow back, but it shrunk up again. Like, well, you do not eat your Wheaties in the morning? I mean, wh why do we have this mentality that God does it? But, you know, brother, be careful because if you know when God does it, he says, I want to do it for good. I don't just want to deliver you from drinking for six months. Some of you have been in this thing for 10 years and you're still struggling with pain medication. You're going, oh, I'm not a drug addict. Yes, you are. Guys, if we're still dealing with the same issues that the world is dealing with, we cannot call that freedom. Freedom is when you get free once and for all. Here's the problem. Jesus didn't immediately heal them. Jesus gave them a word. Why? Because he knew that if they walked the word out, the miracle would take place. So many of us have a word, but we don't have a miracle because we're not walking out the word that God gave us. God said, I'm going to be a missionary. And we spend four hours a day in front of the television. One day I'm going to be a missionary. No, one day you're going to have to grow up and you're going to have to spend more time with God and at church than you do for the world. One day, listen, this whole prophecy thing, it's not that you just come to church and you get a word and everything's fine. Jesus looked at these 10 men and said, here's the deal. If you want your miracle tonight, if you want your breakthrough, you're going to have to walk out the word I've given you. Even if you don't see any results, here's the reality. There are many times that you don't see results because those 10 men walked away from Jesus with leprosy still. Have you ever prayed for your children and you're saying, where 
where are the results? Have you ever prayed for your marriage? Oh, I wish somebody was here tonight and would help me and wouldn't act like they're Jesus' third cousin and there's no sin in their life. Have you ever prayed for your marriage and said, where are the results? Here's my word for you tonight. Keep on walking. If you haven't seen results, keep on walking. If your parents still aren't saved, keep on walking. If your ministry still isn't growing, keep on walking because it's on the road that miracles take place. Because the Bible says this, and as they were walking, they looked down, still leprosy. They're 18 miles into their journey, still have leprosy. 25 miles in. Jerusalem's 30 miles away where the priest is, still have leprosy. And all of a sudden, here's the deal. God doesn't tell you if it's going to happen in one mile or it's going to happen in 30 miles. God, you pro- I yell at God all the time and go back. You promised me if I gave you everything, you'd save my old best friend and you'd save my uncle. All these people that still aren't saved. And I don't know why, God. you. And God says, Isaiah, I told you I'd save them, but did I give you a date? I'm looking at God going, God, how come I have a calendar, but you never gave me a calendar? I'm always planning things, but you, and God says, because I'm not living on chronological time. I'm not living in your time realm and time zone. And here's the reality. Watch this. The moment Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, their leprosy's gone. The problem is they just haven't got to their miracle yet. See, God lives in Kairos time. He lives in the time of eternity. He does not live in chronological time. I remember one day I was going, God, I'm so grateful what you've done for me. And I remember being in God's Isaiah, do you know that when you were in Santa Barbara that one time and you were at that person's house, you don't even know how you got there, and you were throwing up over the toilet because you had alcohol poisoning, you do know that while you were throwing up, I didn't see a kid that was addicted throwing up. I saw a preacher to nations. Oh, how would you see it? Because I've already done it before I did it. I've seen the end from the beginning. Yeah, your kid might be strung out now, but I see him as a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. Yeah, your marriage might be messed up, but I see two people that are walking side by side in the kingdom of God. The doctor's report might say you have cancer, but I say that by my stripes you are healed and you just need to walk out your miracle. You just need to keep walking. Don't get stagnant on your miracle. I'm about to close. If I could get the just the keyboards up, please. That would be awesome. I want to do something different tonight. The Bible says, and as they were walking, they begin to get healed. How do I see a miracle happen? You walk out the miracle that God said he's going to give you. Now, if you don't have a word, you need to get a word tonight. If you don't have a promise, you need a promise. I write down all my words. I just got a word from Cindy Jacobs. Praise God. I'm so grateful to be around these men, mighty men and women of God. And she started, you're going to have a ha- get this house God's going to give you. I'm like, praise God. Let me write that down. And you're going to, she starts prophesying. And she starts reading my mail. She said, I see a David Wilkerson anointing. I see a Nikki Cruz. She didn't know this, that David Wilkerson reached Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz reached Sonny Argonzoni. Sonny Argonzoni reached Ed Morales. And my parents were under for 18 years, Ed Morales. She didn't know that this was my spiritual lineage. And I want to tell you what I saw as I was driving over here. I begin to think about the old revivals in New York and San Jose where drug addicts from opposite gangs were coming in, where a little white man, skinny white kid my age named David Wilkerson would go into the most notorious gangs of New York City and would see people giving up drugs and knives and guns. And God said, Isaiah, it's the same type of thing that I want to do in Hayward Victory Outreach. I want to begin to bring gangs from opposite sides of Hayward and bring them in one place and bring them in one house and heal them of their leprosy but I need to prepare my church for the harvest. If you're still angry because the new person that came tonight stole the seat you've been sitting in for 20 years, we have issues. I don't know why those young people are so excited. Maybe because we've been set free. 
And instead of judging us, you should try joining us. Instead of, I don't know why you're excited. I'm excited because I've been delivered. I've been set free. I'm saved by the power of the Holy Ghost. Watch. Ten people, watch. Ten people got, got healed of leprosy. How many people went to Jesus to get healed? 11, 12, 13, 10. Why did every, all, because God wants to heal every single person tonight. I said, that, let, me, let me say this one more time because I don't think anybody heard what I just said. I said, God wants to heal every single person. We're not doing this whole altar. If you're sick, maybe God, no, God wants to heal. And when I come in and pray for the sick, I believe that every single person that comes forward is going to get healed by the power. Now, there are some of you that have lung problems. There are some of you that have kidney problems. There are some of you that have STDs from your past. And we were in Victor, Iowa, San Jose a few years ago, and a guy got healed of hepatitis C with a doctor's report. And I believe that same type of anointing is in this house tonight here's the deal 10 got healed and the bible says and one came back to jesus and the bible says the man got on his knees what keeps us coming back to church gratitude and here's what jesus asked the man where are the nine here's my question for you victory outreach hayward where are the nine where are all those that we've seen come off the streets get saved at our place? Where are all those? You know where they are? They're out back on the streets because we failed to disciple them. And guess what? It's not your pastor's job. It's not the ministry. You know what our pastor's job is? It's to, biblically to be in the word and to be in prayer so he could equip us. His job is not to be chasing after all the people we saw saved. It's our job as believers to disciple people. It's our job to make sure all nine come back. And I'm making a decision tonight that I'm not going to be the nine, but I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the ten that come back to Jesus after he heals me. I'm going to be the 10% that comes back to revival to revival. I'm not going to be a part of the majority. I'm going to be a part of the minority. I read this story and I go, what did happen to the nine? Because I have the same question Jesus had. Here's a simple answer. 30 miles from Jerusalem, here's the simple answer. They didn't want to put the effort it took into the walk to make it back and take the journey. Why do people not want to be on fire? Why do people not want to be real Christians? Why do people not come back after hearing our, our type of preaching that we preach in these ministries? It's because they're not willing to put the work in. I'm not here saying, oh, it's going to be easy and everything. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard and it's going to be a difficult road, but it's going to be the best road you've ever been on. Jesus told the disciples, are you going to leave me? And they said, where would we go? In other words, we've given up everything and you're the only one with the words of eternal life. Jesus is the only one that could heal you tonight. He's the only one that could save you tonight. He's the only one that could deliver you tonight. There is no name above his name. If I could get everyone to stand and the lights down tonight. I want you to watch this last point here. You can go read this story, Luke 17. There's so much more to this story, but for the sake of time, I want to finish right here. Jesus looked at the man. Remember, the man's on his knees. He's come back to Jesus. And Jesus says this, rise up. Just making sure that's our theme. Rise up or arise. Here's what he says. For your faith has made you whole. Stop, 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 stop. Hold on, hold on. Why are you healing the guy twice? You've already healed the guy of leprosy, and now you're telling him to get up. His faith has made him healed. Here's what Jesus was saying. There's two Greek words. I'm not going deep into this. When they got healed the first time, the Bible uses a Greek word called cleanse, and it means to be washed or it means to be clean. The second time when Jesus told the one, remember the nine didn't get made whole, only one did. In other words, the second time Jesus said be made whole, he was not speaking no longer to the man's physical body. He was speaking to the man's spiritual body. The word to be made whole means to be preserved or to be sustained. Let me give you the best illustration I can give you. If you had a dirty apple and you said, okay, this apple's dirty, but I want to use it, you would wash it. That would be to me cleanse, and that's what happened all 
Tain. That mean, that word literally means to wash something. But if you were to put that apple on the counter, how many people know after a week that apple would be rotten? So what do you have to do? You have to take that apple and put it in the refrigerator because the refrigerator will preserve the apple so it lasts longer. And God says, I don't want one-week Christians that come to me and get clean for a week and get, are you hearing me, mentum, and get clean for two weeks? But I want to make your spirit whole. I want to preserve you so that 30 years could go by and you could stand up and say, 30 years ago, I made a decision and I haven't gone back. I'm tired of seeing the nine. I want to see the one that say, Jesus, I don't just want you to heal me physically, but I want you to heal me spiritually. How do you get healed spiritually? You humble yourself and continue to come to church. With every eye closed tonight, please. If you're in this house tonight, I just want to do this. I want to get, let me get 10 people from the Awakening 209 prayer team. The first 10 Awakening, every eye closed. The first 10 Awakening members that will come help me pray, I want you to come up here. And then let me get five from Victory Outreach San Jose prayer team. I want you to come line up next to our team as well. And if we need more, we can get more. But this is how I want to do it. I want to do it different tonight. I just want the keyboards playing because I know there's some healings that God wants to do right now. There's someone in here with a lung type of disease or asthma, really bad asthma. I'm just saying right now an issue in the lungs. So we have to get